Welcome to Light of the Southwest. My name is Jake Sanchez, and I have here with us Lee Cadena or Cadena, whichever one you want to go by. Um, and we're just gonna get uh, we're just gonna get right into it. I'm I'm really excited that you're here, bro. Like everything that you showed me, I've already taken a tour. I've already taken a tour of the facility, and it's amazing. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump too far ahead of everything, uh, but just so you know, there's a facility here in Midland and Odessa, Texas, right in between, uh, right in the heart of the Permian Basin, really. Mm -hmm. And it is, uh, it's going to be a full-blown men's rehabilitation center, right? Transitional house. Transitional house. All right, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, but not a whole lot, and because I want to get into you and who you are and how you got here. Well, the transitional house is, um, we have 86 individual bedrooms uh, for guys that are getting out of prison or uh, on parole. Mm -hmm. uh, guys that, even if they're outside, uh, that is looking for a second chance, everything is uh, Christian-based. So we have, uh, you know, um, we want to have church. We want to have Bible study. We want their families to get united with them again. Uh, we want to help them out with a second chance just to get back into life. Okay. Because sometimes these guys just don't, have uh, anyone to help them out here or people don't want to hire these kind of people so we're here to help these guys to have that second chance while leading through christ wow all right so before we jump into into that into more detail um what i want to know is is a little bit of your testimony that led you to this place well, there's actually a lot of testimony that led me, uh, led me to this place. Um, <laughs> I lived a hard life. Uh, my dad committed uh, suicide at the age mm. when I was one years old. So I was raised without a father figure in my life. At the age of five, I was already drinking. Age of se uh, seven, I was already smoking. Nine, doing uh, cocaine and at 10, shooting up heroin. Uh, black tar through my arms, my fingernails, my toenails, and my neck. Hold uh, on, hold on, hold on. How old were you when you were shooting heroin? Ten. Ten years old. Yeah. Shooting it. Yeah. In your veins. Mm hmm But black tar, not the brown. Quit it. Yeah. How were you getting a hold of this stuff? Uh, family. You've got to be kidding me. Wow. Okay, keep going. And um, it was one of those things I was raised up in a poverty family where mm -hmm. um, my mom kind of cared for herself. She was the one with all the gold necklaces and earrings and mm -hmm. rings. So while she was living like that, uh, you know, I was going to school uh, three, four years in a row with the same pair of pants, same shoes, you know, have holes in them and just talking to everybody. Hey, I'm just holy, <laughs> you know, but which is funny now, but back right, then, you right, know, living right. that life, it was uh, pretty hard. Um, so um, at a certain age, I got kind of tired of it and started uh, wanting to live the lifestyle like my family, like my uncles and cousins. They uh, had a lot of money, and it was one of those things. I didn't want to live the same way, so I kind of started trying to follow what they lived, and uh, it led me the wrong way. Uh, at 15, I was already, um, I had gang unit going to the house with automatic weapons to raid the house. Uh, at 16, I was shot with a 12-gauge close uh, range to my right side of my back. I ended up in the hospital in Parkland on my deathbed. I was a John Doe. Um, even from coming out of that, uh, I get, went to church, gave my life to Christ, but I didn't get in full control. 
What I mean is that I was still going to church. Uh, you know, I was doing the sound. Uh, God gave me the gift to play the guitar and instruments, and I did that. But when I was leaving, I was still selling drugs and doing all these bad things to get money, which um, led me to go even worse. That uh, At 18, I caught my first case against my own brother, which um, I hit him upside the head with a baseball bat, cracked his skull. And, um, when you were 18. 18. How old was he? Uh, he was probably like 20, uh, probably like 22, 23. Oh my goodness. And it's just one of those lifestyles that, um, you know, being in gang violence and drugs and alcohol and all these things, you're not always in your, your set mind. But it was one of those things that when I committed crimes, I was all in my right state of mind. So people always told me that I'm worse because. It's not, I don't have an influence on me to do these things. And it just led me to, you know, going to prison, but in and out, back and forth, uh, until my last time, uh, which was like uh, 14 years ago. I was in seven and a half months in county jail in Luke Sturk in Dallas. And the judge um, had uh, 13 life sentences on me. Told me, you know, this is it. This is your strike three. You're done. Um, that's it. And um, I went back to my cell fell to my knees, gave my life to God. And the next time I went to court, the judge told me that you're lucky. He's like, it's a miracle. And I believe that it was by the grace of God. They released me on, a, on probation, gave me a monitor, gave me a cell phone so they can call me and uh, know every spot that I'm in. Uh, it went from, so it's from 13 life sentences to uh, probation. But um, all the cases dropped. It went down to two cases. So God was really working in my life, got out, started doing ministry. Um, God uh, led me to do Holy Ghost Riders, which I thought it was a whole bunch of bikers or something. I'm like, I'm not that type of person, God. I think you got the wrong one. But started doing uh, Christian rap. Recorded three songs. Three days later, I was already on secular radio station. Went back, recorded two songs and one song called Lean Low, opened up the doors for us to minister around the world that uh, the music started being um, out there, that people, um, stores were wanting to buy it. Wow. Uh, so J Japan was actually one of the biggest ones that was uh, producing our album and putting it out there to everybody. Right now, like, we're known, like, in Italy and places like that, so it's, it's international. But it got opened up the doors where we're doing uh, between 500 to 750 events a year, which literally became, at first it felt good, but after a while it became kind of, like, it was kind of too much that we kind of pushed shows back because we wanted to be able to spend more time with people and connect. And, you know, instead of just going to an event and then leaving and going to the next event, we wanted to stay right there. And if they wanted us two, three days, we were willing to stay there to be a blessing and get to know people and actually show people our heart. And um, through that, um, God opened up doors with uh, Steve and Marjorie Harvey. We were part of their mentoring program. Uh, we got uh, connected with like movie stars and NFL players and different things like that. So God just literally started opening up the doors. And um, through tour, one year in uh, 2015, God was leading us to give up our home. So we gave up our home and went back on tour. And in 2016, God was uh, convicting me to move under the bridge with the homeless. So I told my wife, uh, you know, if we're... You know, God's leading me to move under the bridge. And when I told her, she was excited for it. And we grabbed a whole bunch of stuff, filled up our vehicle, 
with, uh, you know, food, water, tents, hygiene, and uh, different things. Moved under the bridge under um, I-45 in Dallas. In the center, uh, there was over 440 homeless people. Okay, hang on. I really, I really want to get, I don't want to rush past this part because to me, this is real ministry. Like this is real ministry. This is what it is to be a Christian. Yes. This is what it is that um, the Bible calls true religion, right? So you're at, you're at home and you're praying or, or God speaks to you and then all of a sudden he says, leave, leave your house, leave your belongings, take your wife and whatever you can and go live a homeless lifestyle yes. with the homeless. Okay, walk me through that and then walk me through your wife's, she's just straight up like, go with the flow, like, yeah, let's do it, I'm in. She, she actually was. Uh, it's one of those things <laughs> this that- This is crazy. In my mind, literally honest truth, I didn't want to move under the bridge with the homeless. I did it. It's one of those things that um, I had an uncle who had his home but would go under the bridge with the homeless. And those were his friends. And it taught me a lot throughout the years. That these are just people. Yes. These are people too. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we think that they're just, they're not mentally there. They're all checked out. They're just basically well, we get all, for we, another handout. We get the notion that people always think that they're uh, addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol. And one of the biggest things that we found out is when they're truly homeless, they're just stuck under the bridge. They're not out in the corner asking for money. Those are actually different people that are actually asking for money. The reason is a lot of them won't leave under the bridge because they're protective of their home and their environment. And it's easy for somebody to go into their environment and steal all their stuff and take it. Wow. So they won't leave from under the bridge because of the notion of somebody's gonna steal my stuff. The little bit that they do have. Mm -hmm they're afraid that someone's mm -hmm. gonna take the little bit that they do have. And, and not everyone that's under the bridge is there for the same reason. It's not always drugs or alcohol or anything. Um, we've uh, heard of situations where people, uh, their apartments caught on fire. They had no family here and they're from Africa. And now they have no resources and nobody's willing to help them. So now they have no home. Stuck living in their vehicle until they have no money to pay for their vehicle. Now their vehicle's stuck and now they have Nothing, and then they're stuck under the bridge. Mm. And time after time after time, the Christians that they know would go and leave bags on the curb and then take off. Wow. Nobody would literally stay there to want to build a relationship with them. And God led us to want to go under the bridge to build a relationship with them. I didn't really want to go because uh, I got used to living this lifestyle life of hotels to hotels. And it's one of those things I kind of made up an excuse to God. Well, Lord, I'm going to ask my wife, and if she says that she don't want to go, I won't go. But when I asked my wife, she jumped up with joy. Yes, yes, let's get it. Let's, let's get everything and move under the bridge with the homeless. This is a great idea. <laughs> so I knew that was God. And it's one of those things that when we moved under the bridge, we didn't know what God had in store. Uh, we were just playing it by ear. And what it was is we moved under the bridge and there was still a lot of violence, but it wasn't the homeless that was committing violence. 
It was people that were from the streets that were going under the bridge, shooting guns and doing all these things. And it was horrible. And the city of Dallas was known for getting these bulldozers and running over their tents, whether they're in there or not. The thing is, is that they didn't have the exposure. So when we moved under the bridge, the city, the mayor in the city, seeing that we were a voice to a lot of people and we had people following us that they didn't want to do that. So the city tried to give them eviction notices. And when they did uh, these eviction notices, they gave them a certain amount of time. But they were going down there to force them, but they had no place to go. So me and my wife fought the city of Dallas. We chained ourselves to the bridge pillar to fight and be the voice for the homeless. They considered themselves voiceless, so we told them, well, we will be your voice. We will stay here as long as possible. And in Dallas, we were literally down there for four months straight, not taking baths weeks at a time, mm. cooking food from 9 o'clock in the morning to 9 o'clock at night. We were able to provide over 80,000 meals in those four months. But in that time, too, we were connecting with other churches and individuals and different people of different religions that were wanting to come to give glory to God. And it was by that notion we were able to find resources to get their IDs, to get their social security cards, to help to get them apartments, to get them jobs, and to get people to go back to family. And it's the thing that we try to tell people, if you're actually a follower of Christ, Jesus himself said that I have no place to lay my head and rest. Mm. But his father owns all the hills and the cattle. So he has the money and the resources, but he, choose, he chose to be in that way of homeless. Not just that, he's guiding us to heaven, telling us that this is only temporary. Well, if this is only temporary and he's leading us to heaven, literally we're homeless until we get home. To our home. Hmm. So this was, the, this was the perspective that uh, kind of guided you in, into this moment where you're like, you know what? If God says I need to be homeless, because you understand that this, this world is not your home anyways, yeah. then, then that's what I'm gonna do. So you and your wife, you go down into, and now this, was this tent city or this was just bridge or what was this? It's called tent city because it was over 400 tents, but right it was there. right under the bridge. Under the bridge. So then you end up having service and church with these. Mm -hmm. Now tell me about the movement that started because of this. Because it, it turned into a movement, right? Mm -hmm. They started doing this in other cities. Yes, uh, from, from Dallas, we took it from, uh, to Louisiana. We took it to New Mexico, Arizona, and California. But in California, it was pretty huge and different because they had Skid Row. So we moved in Skid Row where they have over 5,000 homeless people. Mm. But instead of sleeping in a tent, we slept on top of a cardboard box. And it was the thing that we were trying to reach out to social media and say, you know, this is real life. This is your mom, this could be your dad, this could be your uncle, your sister. Would you literally leave them out there? But even greater, if this was Jesus himself, would you be out there or would you just be in your home stuck there mm. doing nothing? Mm. And it was um, a way to let people know, you know, um, it's easy to say if Jesus comes knocking at our door that we will answer the door. But if a stranger comes knocking at your door, do you open up your door and invite them in? Or do you say, hey, I don't know you, you know, move away. So it's easy to say that if Jesus is there, that we would accept Jesus in. But if a stranger comes, it could be Jesus in disguise. Mm. 
and we would say no. So this is something that literally opened up my heart that we say that we're Christian and we say that we're followers of Christ, but we don't follow legitimately what the Bible actually says, how Christ actually lived. So when it says that when you, uh, they're naked, you would provide them clothes. When they're hungry, you'd provide them food. And when they're thirsty, you'd provide them drink. Wow. And a lot of people forget about that as being a Christian. A lot of times we get the notion that we watch the news, and to be honest, the news puts out so much bad and neg negativity that it makes us think that these things are going to happen to our life. I was around drugs and violence and all these bad things in my life, but it didn't stop me. When I got saved, it actually pushed me even more. If everybody knew me as Psycho and Diablo in the world, which Diablo is devil, this bad person, who are they going to know me by now? By my fruits. I want them to know me as a different person than who I was then. I want to create a legacy that when I pass away, people say, that was a true follower of Christ. Mm. He was willing to give it all to no matter what it took to go out there and preach the gospel. Wow. And that's what it is. When we did that, we didn't want to tell people, hey, I'm a pastor. Hey, I'm a Christian rapper. I just said, what can we do to help you? And by doing that, it brought opportunity. Why? Because they would come back to us. Hey, why, do you, why are you doing what you're doing? We know that you're not homeless. And we're like, yeah, we are homeless. We gave up our home mm. to move under the bridge with you. But we love you. And then to come back in. But somebody greater than us loved you, that he paid the price at the cross. And by doing that, that opportunity opened up their heart. They gave their life to God. And now they have a, another opportunity where we were able to help over 300 who are no longer homeless, gave their life to God. They have their jobs. They, uh, they're uh, back with family. They have their apartment. We see them out in the, the street, and we take pictures with them. And wow. we, we show people that, you know, you can make a difference in someone's life. Wow. All right, so let me get this straight. You went from simply meeting them where they were, right, to now actual discipleship and, and, and leading them into a place of, I mean, where at the very least they're, quote, unquote, a productive member of society. Yeah. Wow. And you, and you still, do you still have a relationship with these these guys today we we do um some of it was posted online but there's a lot of it that we we didn't because we believe in the privacy um a lot of people want to go and want to get exposed by taking pictures and things and it's one of those things we believe in their privacy so we still have all the documents and still have uh pictures and videos but we didn't put it online because they didn't want it out them to, uh there themselves so we just uh have it we go over it we watch it uh, it just the memories of it. And then uh, the people who seen everything that we were doing on social media, a lot of people wanted to go uh, travel from where they're from to travel to Dallas, but we would stop people and tell people, hey, you can do this in your neighborhood. Mm. You know, just have a willing heart and want to go out there to let people know about Christ. They would, would they mind us showing a few clips of that here? No, I don't, I don't mind at okay, all. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get a couple of clips rolling here later on in the, in the, in the episode. Um, all right, so before we, we move on from that to what you're doing now, because that basically kind of paved the way for you to have this full-blown facility here in the Permian Basin, I always ask everybody this. I always, this is one of my, because I, I believe that God is 
he's the, the, in the beginning was the word, right? So he's always speaking. God's always speaking. So my question to you is what's God been speaking to you lately? God has just been leading me just to love on people. And that's the main thing. So we've been, uh, even though we're in the facility right now, I make food all the time. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I guess it's because of living under the bridge with the homeless and we having so many people, I make big amounts of food that we put it out there on the internet. And I went and ate some. It's delicious, bro. <laughs> and we're not telling the, you know, we're, again, we're not telling people, hey, we're pastors, hey, we're Christian rappers or anything like that. We're just saying, hey, our home is open to you. If you like to come and have a meal, if you want a fellowship talk, you want to play some board games or anything like that, you know, our home is open for that. Uh, we even did it right now for the officers um, and the fire department where we bought a little fridge for them and filled it up with Gatorades and water and popsicles. And then we uh, bought a water dispenser. That way, if they wanted to make coffee, tea, if they just wanted water or if they wanted any kind of snacks. So it's one of those things God is just always leading us to want to just be a blessing. So the, uh, the first responders, they could come in. Anytime, anytime they want. Anytime they want. Mm -hmm. Just grab a quick little snack and then. So basically you have like a break room set up. Well, we're actually using our uh, living room. So your living room is the break room, mm -hmm. which the way, that, the way that this is set up, it's pretty, it's pretty phenomenal. The whole facility, you, you have to stop by. We'll post the address here uh, or the link to, to be able to pop in and, and just visit Lee. But. You, you, you pop in, and then what, what door is it, number 40? Is it, is it, what's the Oh, room? ours is uh, suite four. Suite number four, right? And so they just know to pop in, get some free snacks, some free food, and then... Yeah, we out. actually uh, visited uh, the Odessa Police Department and the fire department. And then let them know. Mm -hmm. So you guys got... Which it's good to have them as friends. It's good to have a presence, right? That's kind of the goal. Right. And it's also one of those things because we're taking guys out of prison, uh, all these guys know is cops are bad mm -hmm. and run from cops. So to have the fire department and the police department actually show up, they can build a relationship with them to see that they're not the bad guys. It's only because of our mistakes that we committed that we see the cops as being bad. Wow. But these are really good guys, and some of them know Christ. And it's a thing to build a relationship with them to know that it's our mistake and it's not their mistake and that these are good people they have families just like us and to build that relationship with them will change everything so the next time they get pulled over by a cop they're not acting silly or doing something wrong and afraid that a cop is going to shoot them the thing is if i noticed it because i used to get pulled over every single time everywhere that we traveled my wife can tell you like Every two or three days, I was getting pulled over by state troopers somewhere. <laughs> and it was one of those things that all I had to do was comply. Mm -hmm. Just listen to every uh, command that they said. And you would. And I would. Get a warning? Mm hmm Get warnings or just set free. But, I mean, I'm not. Was it part of, was it because of the type of car you were driving? Was it's because it of my rector that I had that every time they searched the vehicle, it was under my name. Okay, so they so, knew to pull me over and to call backup and mm, have a whole line of backup. So they, yeah, okay. So then they're sitting there just doing their thing, running your plates, like how they, how, how police officers do, and 
all of a sudden, all of your stuff would pop up. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't pull you over just with them by themselves. No, we would have like at least five to ten different vehicles coming right behind them to investigate why we're doing what we're doing in their town. Because by what they know, we were over there to do something bad, either to hurt somebody or to put some kind of drug out there. Wow. And, we, you know, we were driving around with a vehicle that said Holy Ghost Riders behind it, strictly ministry. And even that didn't do nothing to them because all they seen was the record. Wow. Wow. So, but obviously things are shifting. Mm -hmm. And now it, they go from being your enemy to being your friends. Yeah. Right? But there was that transition, which you talked about, of like, hey, look, this is going to take a little bit of work because I know that I've got a past. I know that I've done some bad things in my life. I might not, wear, I might not be where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Amen. Yeah. That situation, right? So now every time they look at the record, they see that it's been over 13 years of not committing crimes, not getting in trouble, not doing anything Let's bad. Let's go. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Wow. Back to being a law-abiding citizen. <laughs> Waking up clean, clean conscious, not worried about what you might have done the day before or the week before, or who's going to show up at your door, look up behind your back. It feels good. Dude. All right, so, so now... We could take take some more time and to maybe the rest of the time to talk about the the vision and uh, what what's the what are you calling it? What's the name of this facility? The Permian Oasis. Permian Oasis. Yes. Wow. It that that's a that is a phrase. Just the word oasis has kind of been uh, I, I don't want to say trendy. But I've noticed a lot more churches calling themselves Oasis. Yeah. Oasis Church, Oasis City Church, Permian Oasis, right? There's another church that's just called Oasis. So I, is this the vision that you're trying to have? Is like where these people just have like this, these men have this oasis to come to basically in the desert? Because the, we're in the desert, you know what I mean? Well, it's the thing, all of us need a second chance. Yeah. The thing is, is some of us need 100 different chances. Boy. You know, some of us have been out there so Boy. much, but some of us, because of all the chances that we got, our family is not there to help us no more. Our friends are not there to help us no more. We feel like we're alone, we're stuck out, and we're just dried out, and we just need that other chance. And we had that one opportunity that God would open up the door and bless us and help us out. And that's what we're trying to build for these guys. Some of them been locked up so long in prison that they feel like nobody's there for them. They don't know how to come back into this lifestyle of being in prison for 20, 30 years. And it's one of those that we want to work with them every single day. We want to be their mentor. We want to be their guide. We want people from different churches to come over there and be able to show them the way. And it's one of those things, we just want to be an example of Christ. And we feel like if everybody in the community, everybody in the middle of Odessa wanted to go over there and be a part of this, everyone's welcome to be a part of it. We didn't want to close it to any kind of single person. We wanted it to be open. That way, if, like I said, if families wanted to go, if kids wanted to go, that way anyone who wanted to hear the word or anyone who wanted to actually come and put the word and show the word, they were, it's open for, for that reason. Wow. 
So, how many how many rooms you have in this facility? Eighty six. Jeez. And they each have, they're each fully furnished. Got a bed. They got a bed. They got a dresser, a nightstand. They got a night light, and they got a desk with a chair. But we're also getting right now uh, looking for over eighty individual uh, refrigerators. That way they can actually they have their have food their in there. Little, like a mini mini fridge type yeah. of situation. Wow. Now, do you ever do you do you for, foresee any time where you think you'll out, have have to outgrow it? Or are you going to just kind of streamline this and say, all right, once we get at capacity, that's when we start graduating people and that type of deal? Or is it going to be like a waiting list type of situation? Like, what, what's, your, what's your vision uh, for, the, for phase two once phase one is complete? And well, by phase one, I mean getting it filled up. I guess it depends on uh, every individual because even though it is a program and we, we do it like that, if they want to literally continue on there, they're more than willing to continue is on there, there. Is there like, um, is there a limit to how long these guys can stay? There? There's actually no limit. If the guys actually want to be there for five, ten years, they're more than welcome. Really? The thing is, this is a community for them. That way, if they don't want to be around uh, the bad things in life, they don't want to be around all the drug violence and the gang banging so and all those a, different this things. this is an actual oasis. Yes. And as long as these guys are keeping their nose clean, mm -hmm. Boom, they can, they can find a home. Yeah, a home here. All we're looking for is the willing, the ones that are trying to get their life right. You know, we all know that there's always going to be that one knucklehead that comes in, but we're not going to let that one knucklehead mess it up for the whole. For everybody else. Yeah, so we're we're lenient with them. They they can actually leave the facility. They can go look for jobs. We can help them have the resources. We can. Um, train, we can certify, we can do uh, uh, computer training and skills, we can do all these different things to help them out. And it's, uh, it's up to them if they literally want to go back, uh, you know, with family or they want to get their own apartment or house or anything like that. What we're trying to do is once we get the churches involved, that they'll build the relationship with these guys and that when, we, uh, when they get done and they're ready to leave, these will be the, their next door neighbors. These will be the guys actually helping out the church. So while they're there at the facility, we'll still be going and, and helping around at the, you know, at the food banks and volunteering uh, at different places and volunteering. And if there's churches that need help with anything, cutting grass or anything like that, we're willing to give up our time. I mean, some of these guys have to do community service. So anything that we can do through the facility to help out, we're more than willing to help out. So let's talk about, let's talk about that for a little bit. You want the churches in the Permian Basin and West Texas to, to um, partner with you simply to benefit the churches, if I remember our conversation yes. correctly. All right, check this out. Pastors, and I know a bunch of y'all, and y'all know me. This guy isn't, he isn't trying to to take anything from you. He's trying to help give you a resource to equip your church. So, so basically, if, if I'm hearing correctly, you're, you're having a discipleship program where these men can be even 
productive and helpful within ministry and within the church. Yes. Right? Y'all, we got to hop on this. We, we have to, this is what discipleship is all about right here. You step in, you lean in, because you're wanting pastors to come in and, and give counseling sessions, give discipleship sessions, give workshops. I mean, all of the above, mm -hmm. right? So we're still trying to keep it Christian. So if there's any churches out there that have these resources. Faith-based all the way. Yes. Christian all the way. Yes. See, this is, this is, um, this is unheard of. And I know somebody say, oh, well, I know an organization kind of, I know an organization, uh, sort of, be, but, but this isn't a nonprofit. Mm -mm. This is actually funded by private investors. Yes. And they're going to remain private. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, so then you're not even asking for money. I'm not You're not even going to a church and you're not even going to go and ask them for money. You're just going to a church and saying, hey, look, I got these guys. They're willing to help do this, this, and this, and this. They're able to help do this, this, and this, and this, whatever that may be. Hey, I trained 10 of them to run sound, whatever it may be. Boom. And now the church can reach out to you guys. Potentially, it sounds like, it sounds too good to be true, and we'll see, right, as time goes on. But it's still something. I know I'll be leaning on you. We got plenty. We got plenty to do. We're going, God's using using the ministry, going like crazy, and we're always needing help, at the very least, to set up and tear down. You know what I mean? But I know that there's, there's churches all over the Prairie Basin that still are in set up, tear down mode all the time, and they're going to need, they need help all the time. Or they need help moving, uh, um, moving single women from one home to another. This is the kind of stuff you're talking about, yeah. right? Hey, just wanting to be a blessing to somebody. Yeah, Anybody who needs blessing. help or if... Uh, God's been... A blessing to them, and they want to be a blessing from God. Yeah. Basically. Woo. Let's go. So it's one of those things, the way that God has saved my life and changed my life and gave me all these talents and gifts, by me being their, one of their mentors, I can actually train these guys in those ways. And I know how to do sound. I know how to play different instruments. I know how to do a lot of these things. And by training them up, we don't want to keep them there. We want them to go out, but if they're wanting to be there, but uh, to, to live there, they can. But at the same time, too, to go out and to help the community and make a difference in the community. You know, that's why I said it's about not creating really the legacy for us. It's creating the legacy for him mm -hmm. to that every single one of us points to him when we pass away, mm -hmm. that it's not pointing to us. Yeah. That's why I said when, when I pass away, people will say, well, he served Jesus with his full heart. He was willing to give it 100%. He was willing to go out there and do whatever he could. And that's how we want these guys to be. And we're not trying to take uh, church members. We're not trying to take anybody from these churches. If anything, we're trying to send these guys to the churches. Some of these churches, um, to be honest, uh, are, have uh, elderly people. They don't have a new generation that's going to come in after them. So if they pass away, the church just withers up and dies. So we can send these guys to go and fill up the churches and that, that's where the resource will come in to help fund the church back up again to continue on. And we're not one over here to say that we're going to pick certain uh, denominations or anything like that. No, as long as we believe that you have a humble heart to serve Christ, we want them to go to your church. Mm. And that's really what it's about, just to be, have these guys willing. 
to go out there and instead of say, uh, even if it's not saying the name of Christ, but by our fruits, we show the love of Christ. And that's what it's about. Yeah. So it's easy to say that we're a Christian, but to show a Christian is a different story. And that's what we want people to see. We want people to have that heart, that willingness to go back there and to say that it's because of him, not because of anything that we did, it's because of him. So any homeless can, how, how do they sign up for this? Like how does, well, right how now, does one sign up for this? Right now we have an office manager that's uh, behind the facility where anyone can go over there and actually fill out an application. Or if they write the facility, um, we can send an application back to them. So we're not saying that they have to be on parole or have to be out of jail. The thing is, is that they just have to be willing. If we show them the application, it lets them know our rules and, and what we expect of them. So when they sign it, so they what know are some expectations? Give me a few expectations. And I, and I know it's probably not all the way finalized, but what are some expectations that they have to keep in order to, to stay there? Um, no drugs, no alcohol, no fighting, um, you know, staying out of trouble. Um, they still have their um, time limit that they had to be in. Um, so they have a curfew. They do have a curfew. And What's it's one, the curfew? The curfew is 10 o'clock. 10 p.m. Mm -hmm. But they do um, have the thing, uh, the opportunity to look for a job. The, one of the main things is a mandatory Bible study in church. Okay. That way they get the word. If they want to watch movies in the theater room or they want to have Bible study, all those opportunities are there at the facility as well. So it's mandatory for them to do uh, basically what? How one? We would say service? two services, two services a week. Okay, so so basically, it's mandatory to do at least a Sunday service and a Wednesday service. Which, to be honest, we're actually going to have little uh, Bible studies in that every single day of the week. Okay, so you're going to have Bible studies going on every day. So it's one of those. So uh, they can either attend the Bible study there or go, because not everyone's going to have a car. Yeah. The majority of them won't have a car, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So as long as they're doing the, the two Bible studies, which could pertain of either attending what the local on-campus on Bible yeah. study or going off-campus and attending a church. Yeah. Okay. They'll have to do it twice a week. And then as well as, of course, the normal no fighting, no kicking, no screaming, no biting, right? Yeah. Uh, so as long as they're abiding by these rules, anything else? Well, we do have like other rules. Do they have to like learn like a trade or? They don't really have to learn a trade, but we do uh, want them to get uh, back to the lifestyle. So we do uh, put on them about getting a job because that way they can save up uh, for themselves or save up for their family. So or when them. they want to go back out, they have enough, uh, so, uh, enough money for them to go back out and live that second life. That's it. So basically getting them back into that that space where they really are productive mm -hmm. members of society. And if they want to stay there at the facility, when they get their money, they can buy their own TV, they can buy a toaster, they can buy the things that they actually want, like if it was their house. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. I can't wait to see this thing move in that direction. I know I'll be visiting all the time. Um, do you have any men now? No, we don't. No tenants yet. Mm -mm. So, so where's the, what's what's gonna be the tipping point where they start flowing in? Well, what it is is because um, 
a lot of it has to do with the Texas Parole Board. So everybody's date is totally different of when they get out of prison. So right now, like, um, uh, I believe that we already got a dozen letters from prison mm -hmm. of guys that want applications. So when they get on parole, they can actually transfer over here to us. And it's a thing that uh, we have people from other places, like, say, like Cloverhouse and that, that are transferring over to the Premium Oasis. Um, there's a lot of um, bad stuff that we hear about halfway houses and things that are going on that shouldn't ha uh, be happening. So people are wanting to leave where they're at right now to have a second chance over there with us. Mm. So you are working directly with local government. Well, we're, uh, we we do work local, uh, with or it. I guess yeah. parole boards directly or? Uh, parole boards actually directly to them. Okay. And so then, if a guy in prison uh, gets accepted through um, the program, we'll send them an acceptance letter. So when they go in front of the parole board, they give them the acceptance letter, and it's the decision of the parole if they actually want to send them to us or if they have another program they want to send them to. And if the parole board accepts it, they will actually put them on the bus when they're uh, released and send them straight to us. Straight and then we'll pick them up at the bus station and take them to the facility. Straight to Permian Oasis. Mm -hmm. Wow. P.O. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So what is, uh, whenever you saw the facility, when you saw the facility with your own eyes, when you took the tour, what was going through your mind? I loved it. It wasn't created for what it is now. It was created as a man camp for um, people working out in the oil field. There was a company that wanted the investors to invest in that. So they made, uh, they were building a man camp, but the owner of that company sold it. And when he sold it to this other owner, that owner wanted, uh, he didn't want to house none of his guys. So the investor kind of didn't know what to do and is where God has put us in the picture. And from there, it actually went to where it's now, where we knew that we could do so much. We knew that there's so much positive that can come out of this. They believed and gave us the opportunity. And from there, we're just running and letting God just have his way in the whole facility. Whatever God has in store for the facility is like, let's go. Wow. Let's do this. So there's not like a, a whole, you have, the, you have the plan, you have the vision, but you still have the flexibility to, to pivot on if God says, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to focus on this right now for this season or major on this right now for this season. You have the freedom to do that. Yes. And you, and you fully plan on doing that. Yes. Wow, man. What are some things that you really want to see once this thing is really up and running? Because I know that you are, you're an evangelist. You're, a, you're an artist. You're, um, you're a performer. You're a worshiper, right? Uh, from everything that I've been able to gather from our past conversations and just getting to know you, you you've got, you're not just a um, director. You are a pastor as well as an evangelist. And you can go, you go from worship to hip hop to preaching. Someone like that. And then you're an event organizer, right? So with that type of stuff, with that type of background, in that type of mind, once this thing is up and running and going, do you see anything like for the community that where you're like, you know what, I really would like to do an event, and I want to use these this these men 
to go out and do something. Um, we do plan on that. Um, when these guys get out, see, uh, me and my wife would go into the prisons, and we would go and minister through rap, uh, preaching, and giving testimony. We've always seen that a lot of them have a voice. These guys can really sing. Yeah, they're talented. So what we wanted to do is when they come out and we have them, we want them to build up their own choirs. That way, when uh, we do church services, we can have these guys go and lead worship. That way, that's why, that's why I said to have them there and to teach them and train them, and then from there to send them out to these churches. They might be the next worship leader. They might be the next guitar player, drummer, singer. They might be the next evangelist, preacher at the church. We don't know who's God, uh, who God has called them to be. Yeah. All we know is that God has a plan and purpose for their life. Wow. And we just want to open up that opportunity to give it to them. That way, when they do go out, they will be men of God. But that's why we're saying we're not trying to keep nobody for ourselves. We're not trying to take anybody from nobody. We want to send out. It always got me when um, you go to a church and people always talk about go, go, go. God send you go, go, go. But you have people who've been in the church for 40, 50 years that are just not going. I don't want to ever hold somebody back from the purpose that God has. I always want to send. And if I got to ordain and send out, then that's what I'll do. Because I don't, if, if God has called somebody to be there so long, then that's understandable. But not everyone in the church is called to be at a standstill. And a lot of these churches that, that we visit, it seems like it's a standstill. Most of the church has been there so long that they don't want to go nowhere. They're comfortable where they're at. And the thing is, God didn't call us for that purpose. God called us to go out, to reach. We follow Acts 1-8, which is the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. And it's to go. So it's even to this point right now, I know that God has more in store for me and my wife. And if God tells me to go, I'm going to go. Even having the position where I'm at right now, we will be willing to go because all our trust is in God. We know God has never left us. He's never forsaked us. He's been there through every thick and thin thing that we, we went through. We've seen God bless us and God do so much in our life that... He tells us to go right now. We will go. Mm. I won't sit still. And that's where we want people to be at. That if God calls you to go, go. Don't stay because of man or person or anything. Because man and person will fail you. God will never fail you. It's not in, his, in him to, to fail any of us. He, he wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have certain things. He wants us to go out. He says that he'll take care of us. And we've seen that in our life, that God has taken care of us. I mean, giving up our home and being down there and God opening up for us to provide 8,000 meals, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of resources. But God has opened up the doors that he provided those resources. And in everything that we've done year after year after year, God has always provided. And it's, it's one of those things that that's the reason we want to train and raise up these men of God because the church needs to see them. You go to churches and a lot of the women are the raised up. A lot of the men are not mm -hmm. out there praising and jumping and worshiping God. We want these guys to go and give it all to God. And we don't want them to stay there with us unless they want to. But 
If they're called to go out, we want them to go out. We want to launch them. Yes. Yeah. We want it to be like missiles. Just do, 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 do. We want it to be like almost like the atomic bomb that we have here in Texas, just to boom and make it actually huge. Yeah. So a huge reaction for Christ. Mm -hmm. Not a little dot here and there. We want something huge to come out of it. God has did so much in our life that it's huge. We don't hear about God doing, you know, people leaving everything to move under the bridge with the homeless. So we hope that it's an inspiration to anybody who's watching or listening when they hear our testimony to go out. Mm. You know, the, the guy who came up to Jesus and said, Lord, what would it take for me to be, basically to be a disciple and follow you? He says to go and sell everything. Oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But the lady with the two mites was willing to give it all. That made an actual bigger difference. And what people don't realize, doesn't matter how much you have to give up. It matters the, the quantity if you're willing to give it all for him. That's why I said we say that we're willing to give everything to God. But are, are we? Are we really? Yes. Yeah. We always, uh, I have this, uh, this vision, um, and it's, it's basically us putting all, all of our stuff on the table and say, here you go, God, I'm all in. But you keep your hand right here, and underneath your hand is one, one chip, you know? And, and we say, yeah, I'm all in. But, but in reality, a lot of us, most of us, we're, we keep about five chips on the table just for us. Well, you know, I got, I got, I got this I like to do for me, you know, and, and, I, and I got, um, I, like, I like my golf games, you know, I can't, be, I can't be having anybody, I can't be having anybody interrupting my golf games and I can't be having inter anybody interrupting, you know, my, my uh, sports uh, time and my sports center time, my football games and my soccer games and my whatever it is, and and then I got my I got my vacation times and I can't be having anybody interrupting that. I, I got my me time. I got my me time. You know what I'm saying? Um, but what God is saying is, is I, I ask you for everything. I ask you for it all, and that's what I'm hearing from you. And 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 it's so refreshing. I don't like. Um, I, I used to be the kind of guy that would kind of be disappointed in churches if they weren't on the move, they weren't on the go. But I, at the same time, I can't let that slow me down. I got to go. And if you don't want to go, I'm still going to go. I'm still going to move. You can come with me. You know what I'm saying? There's this phrase that me and my buddies, we, we, uh, <laughs> we say it all the time. And, and, and it's, it's among the group of us that are always moving. You know, we're, we, if God says go, we go. If God says go do this, go do this. Here am I, Lord, send me, right? And the phrase is, it's illegal to cage eagles. And that's, that's really what, what you're going to end up having. And you're going to end up having all of these men that want to soar. You know what I mean? Especially once you, once you give them a reason to soar, once you give them a mission to go after, once you fill them with the love of Jesus that they can't keep to themselves, they'll be like, Jeremiah, it's like fire shut up in my bones, right? I can't keep this to myself. I got to move forward. I got to keep going one step at a time, whatever it may be. If as long as it's for Jesus, I'm going to give him glory yes. with all that I have, and I don't want to hold anything back. And, and they may look and say, oh, well, I only have two, uh, uh, five loaves and two fish. And God's like, put that in my hands. Watch what I can do, right? Watch what I can do. Because that's what the little boy did. He gave, he gave Jesus 
He didn't give him a, a little bit of his lunch. He gave him all of his lunch. And then God turned around and made that lunch enough for everybody. He took this little bit of, little bit of lunch and he said, this is enough. And then boom, fed thousands, thousands. We don't even know exactly how many thousands because we just counted the men. They didn't even count the, the, the women and the children. So we have like this average, right? And that's all God's asking from us. And that's what I see you walking out. You're walking out this space where, you're, where God is trusting you with men. God is trusting you with lives. God is trusting you to disciple, right? He, he made a space for you that is got a ridiculous budget a month. I saw the facility. I saw the facility. It takes thousands of dollars to run this place a month. And God has placed this under your care, under your supervision, right? And, and then from hearing your vision, you're like, man, I'm, I'm going to train an army for Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. And over, the, and over the short little amount of time that I've been getting to know you, we've got to rub elbows a little bit. We got to eat. Hearing your heart, hearing your wife's heart, like you guys are, are 100% in. And I freaking love it. I freaking love it. I'm in. I'm in with you. You, you already know that. I'm down. I hope you feel that. But one thing that I will say is that I, I love, there's not a church that you're going to, you're going to be, it's going to be hard to find a church in West Texas that I don't love. And so I was putting him on, I was putting him on, as the young people say, is putting him on game. Hey, well, have you visited this church? And have you visited this church? Oh, man, they're going to show you so much love at this church. They're going to show you so much love at this church and, and this and that. And he was like, well, Jake, I'm going to be honest with you. I know that's your boy. I know that's your friend and everything, but I visited that church. And uh, nobody said hi to me. I, that hurts. That hurts. And, I, and I'm, I would never single out a church, but what I would say is we need to work up. We need to work out our love. This is what God called us to do. This is, this is what God, God called us to do. He said, they will know you by your love. Love conquers everything. Love conquers all, right? And that's all you're doing. You're creating a space for these men to find love. Yeah. And ultimately, they're finding love from the Father. If we can't get love from the Father, then, then this love from here is just going to last like that. Exactly. It's going to run out all the time. Love this way is always going to run out. That's why Jesus, I love, Jesus was, he's such a genius. He was like, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking me for water because I've got water. Everlasting. And you'll never thirst again. Yeah. Remember? Another time, this is one of my favorite sayings, uh, the, the, the disciples, they were, they kept trying to feed them. Remember, they kept trying to feed them. And uh, Jesus wasn't hungry. And then they started talking amongst each other. They're like, hey, man, did somebody, did somebody feed him? <laughs> right? Somebody feed him? They're like, master, you got to eat. Jesus, you need to eat, man. And he looks at him. He's like, I got food you don't know about. <laughs> 
That's my phrase. What, what the, I think what it says in the, the New King James Version says, I have food you know not of. And that's what you're doing. You're giving them the bread of life at the Permian Oasis, right? And there's a website, right? Uh, there, there is a website. What's the website again? To be honest, I actually don't know the website. Well, we're going to make sure that the website <laughs> is up. Holyghostwriters.webs.com. That's actually our website That's your for website. the ministry. Yeah. For the ministry. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll make sure to put up the website for uh, the Permian Oasis. And, uh, man, it was a pleasure, absolute pleasure, my brother. And I can't wait to see what happens after this, man. Holy Ghost Riders. Who are, 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 don't you see me came to set the captives free? Yes, indeed. That means you and me. Don't you see you were a blinded bird? Now you can see. Gonna come and represent Christ until the day I die. Cause the devil just a lion. He wants you to fight. Yeah, that ain't right. He wants us to go so why don't you just give it up to Christ? So you give it up to Christ, cause he came and paid the price. Change your wrong so we can come, so we can come and make it right. Take and live the perfect life with the way, the truth, the life. Name above all names, his name is Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost Riders, till the day that I die. So if you had to come into your hood, that is no lie. So put the devil under your feet and wave to him bye-bye. Cause I'm rolling with Christ and it's what we call me, yeah, you nice. Who are, who are, who are be? Who are, who are, who are be? Who are, who are, who are be? You are not to be a miracle, Zinni, J.C. Who are, who are, who are be?